thing because I, I wasn't going to be here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, on Friday, thank you, brother. On Friday, uh, I, I began to feel those symptoms coming on, and I thought, oh, no, here we go. Oh, this is, this is a really bad time, you know, for, to be experiencing that coming into the weekend. And so then Saturday was sort of a wash. You know what I mean? Where you just, uh, you don't feel like doing anything. And, uh, and I didn't feel like doing anything. I mean, I didn't feel like doing, I, I didn't want to do church. I didn't want to see you. I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and then I began, I'll, I'll tell you more about this because it'll make sense as I get into my message this morning. What happened over the last 24 hours? Because it's, it's like a new place for me to be. And uh, I'm, I'm feeling so good. I feel strong. Uh, I, I've taken on my healing. But I want to... Uh, it's not like my whole message, but I think it might illustrate a little bit of what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. So I'll, I'll save what happened over the last 24 hours. Say, um, how many of you have ever said to somebody, um, bless you? Yeah? Or God bless you, especially in relationship to a, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like God bless you. And, and, and then there's the, uh, then there's the, uh, oh, you know, when it's winding up, doesn't that feel good? <laughs> Is there anything that feels better than when you're winding up for a, a real deep sneeze, you know? Yeah. And you know, you're not supposed to, to stop a sneeze. I'm told that sneezes can, can build up a, enough force that it would be like a, a baseball traveling between 70 and 100 miles an hour. So, like, when you, when you stop that, that, that backflow, I mean, the energy of that, you know, it can mess things up in there. So, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> and is there anything cuter than when a little baby's winding up? Yeah, God bless you. We say, God bless you. Bless you, little one. God bless you. And uh, science has proven, you know, through special lighting and all, they've captured that when you sneeze, you need to understand what you're releasing because this is an actual, this is not photoshopped, okay? <laughs> this is what happens in the air around you when you sneeze. And the projectile of that, again, when you think that's coming out at a speed hundreds of, or excuse me, tens of miles an hour uh, in speed, that, that thing can just... Uh, so, so, here is the appropriate way to sneeze. This is actually a doctrine. This is the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not release your sneeze into the air, but lift thy arm and stick your nose in your elbow. It definitely should be, because that's the proper way to sneeze. The phrase, God bless you, when somebody sneezes, is attributed to Pope Gregory the Great, who uttered it in the 6th century during a bubonic plague epidemic. 
So sneezing was an obvious symptom that the plague was coming on. And so to say God bless you was an effort to bless that person and keep them from getting the plague. Virtually every country around the globe has its own way of wishing sneezers well. Arabic countries say alhumdulala, something like that. <laughs> which, <laughs> which means praise God. Isn't that neat? Praise God. The Hindus say live or live well. In Russia, after children are given the traditional response, and I can't pronounce this, two words, it's be healthy, they're also told to grow big. So in Russia, when you sneeze, it's be healthy, grow big. I just love these. I think these are creative. I think these are actually so much better. In China, he or she will hear this. May you live a hundred years. Isn't that great? So much more creative. For the most part, the various sneeze responses originated from ancient superstitions. Some people believe that a sneeze causes the soul to escape the body through the nose. Saying bless you would stop the devil from claiming that person's freed soul. <laughs> Others believe that the opposite occurred that evil spirits used the sneeze as an opportunity to enter the person's body. There was also the misconception that the heart momentarily stops during a sneeze. It doesn't. And that by saying bless you was a way of welcoming the person back to life. So for how many years, through how many family generations, over how many decades of time have we all ignorantly been saying bless you not having any idea what it meant and that actually it's tied to superstitions that have nothing to do with a foundation in scripture but it's tradition and in the same way and in the same fashion I submit to you that there are various religious traditions that we have that have nothing to do with scripture or have little foundation in scripture, or certainly need, we need to circle back around and interpret. Here's one. I got saved. Are you saved? You need to be saved. Jesus will save you. Now, I know that me bringing this up and bringing this to your attention may border on heresy this morning, but I want to challenge you in your thinking this morning regarding this. Is it possible that we've had some tradition passed down, even some superstition, that isn't actually what the Bible teaches about our relationship with God? So, like saying God bless you, actually isn't in the Bible from the standpoint of blessing somebody for sneezing because we're trying to stop sickness or their spirit, you know, uh, has left their body or, you know, we're bringing them back to life, any of that stuff. 
Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Is it possible that saved and reconciled are not synonymous? I always thought they were. I always thought that saved and reconciled meant the same thing. But even in this verse, watch, look at it. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved? Those are not the same. Yet we've combined them, haven't we? Could I get my whiteboard back? Is there a, we have a marker, don't we? Okay, go ahead and grab that whiteboard for me. So we won't need the big screen for just a minute and cameraman, you can shoot the whiteboard here. So good, great, thank you. All right, yeah, that's good, that's good. So can everybody see this okay, pretty good? In regards to our question about traditions, and is it possible that some things have been handed down, in our religious traditions that we've understood to be fact, and maybe we should question, maybe we should get some clarification. I'm going to draw two columns here. And I'm going to put religion on this area and I'm going to put let's put uh, the gospel over here all right when it comes to being saved your idea of being saved my idea of being saved what I was taught what I grew up with what I taught from the pulpit for so many years would look something like this. I need to repent. Okay, starts with repent. Then, I need to pray this prayer. Oh, and there's a right and a wrong way to pray. Okay, and then that would lead to I need to believe I need to believe this way. I need to believe a particular this way. In other words, our doctrine. You need to believe our doctrine. Okay. Then that would lead to, if I do, then if I really, really, Really? And here's the big one. Commit. Okay. Oh, and we're going to need to see what? Fruit. Right? I mean, if, if you repent and you pray our prayer, and if you believe the way we believe, 
And then if you really, really, really commit, and we should see some fruit out of that, well, then you are saved and you can join our tribe. How are we doing? <laughs> now, is that really what salvation looks like? Or does the Bible actually talk about how that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and that God, Paul said, has given you the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the, what that would look like. I'm going to section this off now. Because this whole thing, it, it takes a lot. I mean, this, there's a lot of stuff to get saved when you're religious. Here's the gospel. Jesus Christ reconciled you to the Father. Next step. You need to acknowledge that. And receive it. I don't know about you, but one of those is a whole lot easier. And I don't know about you, but one of those sure seems a whole lot more like God's grace. Because it sure keeps me out of it. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You know the beauty of a whiteboard that's double-sided? You can just do that. You just don't want to do it as hard as I did it. And it will stop right in place. I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking right now. But Pastor Jeff, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, say that if we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead, Okay, call this the resurrection. Resurrection. Uh, thou wilt be, thou shalt be saved. There's some steps in there. Certainly a number of things I need to do. I need to confess, I need to believe. And then we do add to it, of course. And you have to really, really, really believe. <laughs> we want to see fruit. The thing is, is that the word saved there doesn't mean eternal security. The word saved there doesn't mean reconciliation. It means deliverance. 
This is how you get delivered. It's just not how you start a relationship with Jesus. All right, who's going to help me? Get this out of the way so that we can see the screen. Thanks so much. Now, I want you to think about this, folks, because just as much as saying God bless you is something you are not going to give up tomorrow. I promise you, if somebody sneezes, I sneezed this morning at my desk getting ready, and from the other room, Nina yelled, God bless you. I mean, this is DNA. We do this thing. And I don't think God gets upset and thank God for his mercy and thank God he's God. You know, he just, you know, I I know he smiles. He just gets a laugh out of some of the things we do, some of the things we believe. But I'm just telling you, when you get hung up in religion, you start working for your salvation You start sweating and striving to be close to God. You start basing blessings on performance. And that's what's so desperately wrong with misconceptions about how you get saved. So I'll go a step further. I have no idea where this went or if I stuck it in my pocket. Oh, it's over here. It's over there on the thing. Blessing. When we say bless you or God bless you, we need to be sure that when we say that, it's coming out of a wellspring of life and not religion. If you do say, God bless you, after somebody sneezes, I'd almost, I'm I'm going to work on this myself. I'd almost say, may you live a hundred (laughs) years. Be healthy, grow big. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that blow somebody away if they sneeze? Like in the office, tomorrow when you're in the office and you're sitting in your cubicle and somebody sneezes across the cubicle, just yell out to them, be healthy, grow big. (laughs) I mean, maybe that wouldn't be appropriate in certain connotations of that, grow big, I don't know. and, And how about what the Hindus say, live well. I'd almost rather hear that then all of the misunderstanding, misconstrued things behind God bless you because usually when we say that, it's tied to performance. It's tied to things we have to do to get God to bless us. And oh, by the way, if the fruit of blessing isn't evident, that must mean you're outside of God's will. You haven't done enough of the right things to get God to bless you. When I mentioned to you that the word reconciled and salvation are two different things and supporting it it here with Romans 5.10, again, I want to point out to you that he says we shall be. In my experience, salvation is something that has happened, is happening, and is going to happen. I don't know about you, but see, I was delivered, I am being delivered, and I will be delivered. So, for instance, when, when I first came to Christ and surrendered and received and acknowledged 
his grace and his salvation in my life. Not, not having any other training than just the Baptist tradition that I was raised in. I knew that there were things that were not pleasing to the Lord that I was doing, at least in my world at that time. And so music was one of those. And I had a rock music collection. How about, how about you, any of you? Oh, and, uh, I mean, that was anathema. That was the devil's tool to suck teenagers in, in, into the devil's... <laughs> it just went so far. I mean, Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin, Cream. Oh, oh, Jesus. And I took those records. We didn't have CD. You understand how far back this is now. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but we, we didn't even have cassettes yet. Or eight-track tape. This was the day of albums. I took all my albums outside and broke them one by one over the edge of the trash can. I know some of you are looking at like, why did you do that? I know, because today it's been costing me a lot to revive all of my playlist <laughs> through Apple Music and, and get all those back. <laughs> Access TV, anybody know the Access channel? On, anybody watch all? Foreigner, Queen, Zeppelin, Tall. Man, I'm, I'm boning up on all of it. So good, so good. But back in the day, I got delivered. See, I thought that's part of my salvation. I've been delivered. Now, there were more serious things that I did get delivered from that caused me to live a better life, a happier life. So I have been delivered, I am being delivered, and I am yet to be delivered from this body of death, for instance. We will be, when Christ returns and we meet him, to be with him forever, then... Uh, we're going to get a new body, the Bible says, and we will be delivered from this body of death. So you see salvation in these passages, which we have always taken to mean eternal life, being born again, relationship with God, have little sometimes to do with that, actually. They have more to do with that ongoing quality of life of calling out on the Lord, walking in the scripture, living according to God's principles, and experiencing ongoing deliverance in our life, and thank God for that. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When did he make you alive? After you prayed the prayer? After you started going to church? After you came forward in an evangelistic service? Or, as Paul says, while we were still dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ, which means when Christ died, you died. When Christ went into the grave, you went into the grave. When Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. Hallelujah. 
Now, it may have taken some years, it may take some decades for you to come to the place where you acknowledge that and receive it, but I'm telling you, it's already done. Look at this scripture. Here's the mere translation. I'm sorry the words for those of you that are online are so small. I just didn't want to break this up into slides, several slides. Watch. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10. 8 through 10. By grace, you are. Mm. By grace, you just are. (laughs) Saved by the gift of faith. Grace reveals who you are, and the faith of God persuades us of it. You did not invent faith. It was God's faith to begin with. It is from faith to faith. He is both the source and the conclusion of faith. If this could be accomplished through any action of yours, then there would be a grounds for boasting. We are engineered by his design. He molded and manufactured us in Christ. We are his workmanship, his poetry. That beautiful. When you say God bless you, what are you saying? Are you saying, well, I hope your life measures up and I hope you begin to perform right and I hope you begin to do, you know, and, and then God's going to show some favor to you. Or are we saying, as the Bible says, blessings. You already just are. You are in him. You are in him. I submit to you it's all about image and not tribe. You know what I mean, right? When I say image, not tribe. Don't you? It is not about if you do these things, if you pray this way, if you believe our doctrine, then you can join our tribe. Oh, by the way, anybody on the outside of our tribe doesn't believe like we do here in our tribe? They're not of us. You know what tribes do? They fight. Religious tribes are the worst at it. Churches down the street, different denominations, breaks our Lord's heart because there is one body. And we all get there the same way. We were all reconciled through Christ. And not, that's, that wasn't a personal thing that he did. He did that for humanity. Doctrine is important. It says a lot about our system of belief. Your system of belief defines your worldview and how you relate to others. Much of the upheaval in the world is a result of what we call tribalism. The reason you hear me say so little about our political system and about political events events is number one, I don't believe the pulpit is really the place for that. There are those who disagree with me. And church is where you can attend if that lights your fire. You won't find much of it here. But the thing that's so disappointing about it is the tribalism. But churches are even worse. Christians are even worse. The word doctrine, if we define it, means something that is taught 
But here's an even better one. Principles in a system of belief. Oh my goodness. You see, there are systems of belief. And how you get saved or the proper way to evangelize can become a system of belief. So let me show you one here. This is Evangelism 101. This is evangelicalism evangelicalism 101 as well as the way we used to evangelize. Change, believe, become, and then you can belong to us. If you change, you go through this repentance and we need to see fruit, and you believe it the way we believe it, and you become like us, well then you can belong to us. I don't know about you, but I grew up there. That was 101. I submit to you that Paul's great idea wasn't righteousness by faith, but that we are the new temple of God. I know that catches right away you're going to Romans and you're saying that that's the thesis of Romans righteousness by faith well reread it reread it here's Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verses 25 through 27 I became a minister to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul called this the mystery, not a, but the mystery hidden from all the ages before. And now it's been revealed through this great gospel. We've made doing right and wrong the central focus of getting saved. We've made performance the basis of our relationship with God. And Christ, or Paul preached, it has nothing to do with that. Actually, in Christ, you were reconciled to God. And the whole mystery that, that was hidden but now has been revealed is Christ now is using you as his temple. You have become the new house of God. Doug, if I'm not mistaken, I know you to be a collector somewhat of guns, rifles, uh, pistols, and uh, every so often you go out and shoot at the range. I've been with you. It's my understanding that uh, if you're trying to shoot a target that is a long distance off, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, that sighting that rifle in, perhaps with a scope that's on the rifle, attached to the rifle, is very, very important. And that back at the rifle, while the adjustment in the scope might be ever so small and minute, that slightest degree of adjustment in the scope will mean that by the time the bullet gets to the target, here's the bullseye, that that bullet could hit inches, maybe feet, am I correct? Away from the bullseye, with just the smallest degrees of adjustment in that scope. 
The same is true spiritually. You can be just a little off in some of these foundational truths regarding blessing and why God has blessed us. And you will miss a great deal of what the Father has for you. Let let me give you a practical example of this when applied to the Bible, Scripture, reading the Bible. When you start the story from the wrong place, you will miss the target of grace by feet. What am I talking about? Starting in chapter 3 instead of chapter 1. Anybody get my drift? Starting in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall, making that your foundation, instead of in chapter 1 where it says, and God created man, Adam and Eve, and he did what? What was God's first action? What were God's first words over man in chapter 1? It says, and God blessed them. Dear ones, look at me. Follow me over here. It's about original blessing, not about original sin. When you change that, and you get your eyes off of this performance-based religion of being saved, getting saved, you got to get saved, and you realize that it's all about resting in the finished work of Christ, you are now on target to enjoy the blessing of God in a whole new dimension, I promise you. And I'll share this with you, Ephesians chapter 1. It'll be small once again because these are, I mean, this is 14 verses. Blessed be God, blessed, blessed, say it with me. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he, say it, chose us in him. When? When did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for the adoption of himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to be the praise of his glorious grace for with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Why? What was that plan? To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And here, here, I'm already blessed because I'm in him. I am an image bearer. I am not trying to be like him. He has made me like him in Christ. And so, our dear friend Francois Dutois, author of the Mirror Bible, who will be at our round table at the end of the month out in California when we attend there, wrote this regarding Ephesians 1.4. He associated us in Christ before the fall of the world. Most translations say before the foundation of the world. But the word here he explains 
to fall away or to put in a lower place is the word karabolo, and thus translated follow the world instead of the foundation of the world. And look at this one. Look at it right down here in the second paragraph. Could we read it out loud right here? God found us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. The person next to you in the cubicle, your neighbor just across the fence, the homeless person walking on the street, that family member with whom you've just been on the outs, your spouse, your children. What a new way of saying, God bless you. God bless you. To realize that the real blessing is that God, before the fall of the world, before Adam and Eve ever made that decision, included us in Christ gave us life in Christ forgave me in Christ and so now I am reconciled to God I'm an image bearer I'm an image bearer you don't know my neighbor Pastor Jeff they certainly don't seem to be bearing the image of God. Yeah, well, you once didn't either. You don't know the coworker I work with. How could they possibly be an image bearer of God? Well, the way you see them and the way God sees them are two different things. This will change the way you evangelize. This will change the way you relate to people on the street. This will absolutely change the way that you love. When you begin to see the blessing of God, as we learned last week, as God taking a knee and bowing before humanity and exchanging his life for theirs and then including us in the incredible trinity so that now I didn't put a slide up but you're blessed because you belong you believe and you become our goal here at this church is to create an atmosphere for belonging while people are still working out what they believe and we're not worried about what you'll become because we already see you. Paul said, I judge no man after the flesh. So I take my eyes off of that and I see everyone as an image bearer of Almighty God. Hmm. So I told you about a personal example that on Friday I began to have these symptoms where I said, oh no. And on Saturday, I, I truly, I didn't mention this to you, but I thought about asking you whether or not you'd be able to preach today. 
ready. I've got to get my outline ready. I've got to. And I just felt this peace come over me. Lay down. Go lay down. That happened several times during the day. I was getting nothing done on my notes, my outline, my readiness. But here's what was going on. I began to think about my message. I began to think about this reality that I've begun to touch now, that I am in him, and that I am part of the perichoresis of God. That's a Greek word, perichoresis, which means the divine dance. You see, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a beautiful divine dance together, creating space for one another, never out of sorts, never in disagreement, no violence, no pride, always self-sacrificing. And God said, Jeff, do you believe you're an image bearer? Do you believe that you have been saved? Do you believe that you're already reconciled? Well, then believe you're already healed. You're not going to get healed because you start. Before I would have gotten out the Bible and I would have gotten out all the healing scriptures and I would have, I've got to say this and I've got to confess this and I've got to really, really, really believe it. One time I heard a speaker say, I, I don't know, I, didn't, I don't think I brought it. Who's got an actual Bible? You, you all don't even bring Bibles anymore. Could, could, could I do this with your Bible? Will you forgive me? I'm going to do something with your Bible. I'll buy, I'll buy you a new one. Get, uh, so I heard a speaker one time say that, that the Lord showed them to literally stand on the Word of God. They were going to literally, like Ephesians says, stand on the Word of God. And so whoops, they got their Bible out and they stood on the Word of God while they were confessing scriptures for healing. Well, bless you. I mean, do what you got to do. But you know what I found out over the last 24 hours? I'm breathing clearly. My lungs aren't foggy. My head's clear. I have none of the symptoms I had on Friday and Saturday. And I'm here preaching to you out of God's goodness and grace. And it happened not because I struggled, because I confessed the word to make it true. I realized by revelation it's already true. And so I just laid in my bed and I rested. And I saw myself, I imagined myself dancing with the Trinity. Jesus would pass me off to the Father. Hey, Daddy. Daddy would dance with me a while and Daddy would pass me off to the Holy Spirit. And I'd dance with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, we've never been sick. Passed me off to Jesus. Jesus said, you know, when I was on earth, I healed all sickness. And I just began to rest in the reality that I am an image bearer. I am his. Sickness has no place in me. And you didn't get to preach. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stand.